the financial picture for ranchers this year and hopefully for a few more years is going to look a lot different than it has for a while. Let's make sure that we're using this money wisely to plan for the future. Mary Jo Ehrman, farm and ranch strategy expert and author, is back as a guest as she offers some strategy, considerations, and cautions on managing these potential profits. The banker is going to borrow you the money. The accountant is going to tell you to go buy it. But does the accountant and the banker, do they actually look out five to seven years to make sure that you can make that payment. We'll also discuss operating loans, which are now at a 20-year high for interest rate. The highest rate right now is our operating note. So it would just make sense to get rid of operating. There's no question we all want to take full advantage of the highs in this next cattle market cycle, but let's talk through this before we make any financial decisions that may come back to bite us down the road. That's on this episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. And this is the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. Thanks for joining us. If you're a regular listener, you're thinking to yourself after hearing that opening, well, isn't that what we talked about last week? And I'm I'm just going to be really honest with you folks, because I know many of you are probably in the same boat. This last week, we were flat busy. That's all there was to it. We, As I know a lot of folks this time of the year, you're shipping calves or maybe you're pregnant or you're weaning or whatever else. Then you add in the first major winter storm for the fall of 2023. And yeah, we're just, we were busy. So I'm just going to come to you with my hat in hand saying I don't have a new interview here for today's show. But last week's with Mary Jo, I'll tell you what, folks, that was a phenomenal show. And I want to run that again just so that you can hear it one more time. And I encourage you to stay tuned and listen even if you tuned in last week listen to it again because there's going to be something you can pull out of there now however meteorologist don day he will be stepping in for today's show with some new weather for us as we take a look at what this first big major wet and cold is going to look like across the country as the north and the west has been experiencing that here already and it's moving its way east we'll talk about that with meteorologist don day so be sure to tune in for that now speaking of this cold weather the other thing that brings to mind is do you have your old cows ready uh, the ones that you're going to be keeping back maybe you're pregnant you need to get these cows back in shape after they've weaned that calf off well a new generation supplements they have tubs designed to support a lot of different herd health and performance concerns and supplements does not have to be one of the things that you need to be worried about with over 2,000 dealerships all across the united states and canada they know that raising cattle in west texas just isn't maybe the same as it is in south dakota or missouri which is why they have over 70 units unique formulas between the three livestock brands that they have, which are Smartlick, Feed in a Drum, and Megalick. Now, if you want to find out more, go to their website at newgenerationsupplements.com. Let them know or reach out to a local dealer near you. We're going to take a break. We'll be back on the Working Ranch Radio Show after this. You know, big cows come with big feed bills, which is why smart genetic selection can pay off in your cow herd. Did you know Simmental-influenced cows are an average 74 pounds lighter at maturity than Angus-sired counterparts, according to a recent U.S. Meat Animal Research Center study? Now, while Simmental is sized for more efficient gains, 20-year genetic trend lines also show the breed offers reliable calving ease, early growth, and cow longevity. That's a balanced herd built for profit. Simgenetics, giving you more per head, period. Stand strong. Simmental. 
And welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. Justin Mills here with you. My guest today, Mary Jo Ehrman, who is a farm and ranch strategy expert, also infinite baking concept uh, a consultant on that. Mary Jo, thanks for joining us here today on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, I, I thought it was interesting. I look back, we had you on before and it was episode 70. And ironically, this is episode 140. <laughs> so, so, so I, I mean, if you're a math guy, you figured that out already that half of the show. I'll well, uh, see you soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're glad to have you joining us here back. We had you back in uh, episode 70, which was in May of 2022, where we talked about the book you wrote on farming without the bank. And the title of that, I don't know if you remember, I said farming without the bank, dot, 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 oxymoron. You know, and we got a lot of people listening to the show. And I think if it's in folks, if you want to go back and listen to it, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that as well. But Mary Jo, I had you come on here today because I wanted to visit a little bit more about where we're at financially in our industry right now. There's a lot of different dynamics that are coming into effect. There's a lot of uh, from uh, high interest rates to now we got some record cattle prices out there. And there's just a lot of dynamics. Folks are going to be handling a lot more money this year than they have in in times past and i as i was talking to you before we went on air i guess i just feel it's really passion for me to to see that and help guys handle that money correctly and so that we don't get ourselves into situations so that's kind of the the key thing that i want to get here to today one of the things and this comes off of a podcast that you had recently released as well just to get this started is that as we head into this particular time frame and i and it's even critical now but it would be critical in any point in time if we're going to be looking at our farms or ranches from a business perspective is that we really do need to know our break even costs and that's something you really were trying to get across in that recent podcast of yours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to. First of all, you need to know break even because how do you know if you're making a profit if you don't know your break even point? And break even better be and like I said in the podcast, um there's probably a lot of young people that listen to you and a lot of the millennials who are still helping dad in exchange for fuel or tractors or something like that. You better put that expense in your books as an expense, because if dad dies tomorrow and you have to buy that tractor and you have to buy that fuel, now all of a sudden, what is your your true break even? So know your, what I call your true break even. Know that. And then like this podcast, I think is super timely because what are we going to do with all these profits this year? You're going to end up, you know, most people are shipping cows or selling calves right now. And so what are you going to do? Go to the accountant and figure out what you have to buy between now and December so that you can write it off? Or do we need to spend those profits? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, all of that is a business decision, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Like all of it. What are you better plan for the bad years in the good years? And that's really where you're at right now in the cattle industry is we have a really, we have really high prices. And so with the profit, we should be using that profit to figure out what we're going to do when cattle prices drop, because we all know cattle prices are going to drop, Like they're not going to stay high forever. That would be nice if they did. I've never seen it happen. So I'm assuming that that's not going to happen. So let's make sure that we're using this money wisely to plan for the future. 
Mm-hmm. I, I might have jumped the gun a little bit by having you jump right into uh, break even in that discussion when we we're going to continue more on that. But I guess to back up just a little bit, paint the financial picture a bit. You did a, a little bit there as you were answering that question, but let's paint the financial picture because I know your concern a little bit with your podcast was boy, we don't want to go back to the 80s. We don't want to see that happen. So let's let's just maybe paint the picture of what we see with our ranching industry right now from a financial perspective. Yeah, the, my concern, and I'll catch heat from somebody, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I have big shoulders. My concern is that we are going to have a repeat of the 80s and we are going to have another farm crisis in two to three years, if we do not manage well what we are doing now. And the reason why is because in the business picture part of it, we have nine to anywhere. Well, and I'm seeing anywhere between seven to 10 percent operating notes. And there are usually even right now, most of them are nine to ten if I see seven, that's a great rate. Yeah. We have tractor notes. We have cattle notes. We have land notes. We have all of those notes. And if we continue to have 10% interest with cattle prices dropping and we did not prepare for that drop, we're going to see two to three years of high interest rates. We're going to see an 80s crisis. I truly believe it with the people that are borrowed to the hilt. So not everybody, but not everybody failed in the 80s either, mm-hmm. right? The people that managed their money in the 80s and they were not overborrowed, those people were still okay and they managed to survive. And I only know that because I've talked to several of them and I've said, how did you survive the 80s? Well, they didn't have loans on everything. They used a lot of cash. They had a lot of stuff paid off. And so I... There are people that agree with me and there are people that don't agree with me because they're like, oh, it's different this time. You know, we have crop insurance. We have insurance for this. We have insurance for that. Okay, you can have all the insurance you want, but are we buying the right insurance? Can we even afford to buy the insurance if cattle prices drop and loans are 10% interest? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I still think that regardless of yeah, I can I can validate and and for those that say well things are a little bit different than they were in the eighties we've got some uh, insurance options that are out there I I can I can see that to a point but that still doesn't erase the fact that if you have a lot of loans out on different things for example one of the things that as we were talking before we went on air I got myself in a pickle in the last time the market went up buying cattle and from that point on I've rarely seldom bought cattle I found another way to take in cattle and do something differently. But one of the things that was the concern is that you buy and you start putting a lot of capital expenses in items that might take five, seven, 10 years to pay out. And that's a, a kind of what you're talking about here. That's that's the catch in this whole deal. Right. Is if you buy a, if cattle prices are high and now you go to the bank and you borrow money for a tractor you have set five to seven years to pay that tractor off, but cattle prices were low for three of those five years. How are we going to make the tractor payment? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I had people in 14 and 15 when cattle prices were high, I had clients that were building their dream barns. And then all of a sudden they didn't know when the cattle prices dropped, they didn't know how they were going to pay for the dream barn anymore. 
because I expected capital prices to stay high. Mm-hmm. And I always say this, the banker is going to borrow you the money. The accountant is going to tell you to go buy it. But does the accountant and the banker, do they actually look out five to seven years to make sure that you can make that payment when the cattle prices drop? If interest rates stay high, we have to look at worst case scenario going forward. We can't just think that it's always going to be sunshine and rainbows. As much as I love sunshine and rainbows, because I do kind of live in a sunshine and rainbow world sometimes, I we have to look at the reality. You know, I don't, even in my own business, I don't make money and then go spend every dollar of it. I have a lot of money in reserves because, or I have access to a lot of money. If something happens to the economy and people all of a sudden decide they don't want to do the infinite banking concept, right? Mm-hmm. Now- my income's going to go down. And so I am always, always looking at those things. Mm-hmm. Mary Jo, I, as you're talking about those things, I think people are thinking then, okay, so, so, you know, what do I do? Because there's some desire to take advantage of the market of where we're at. How do we do that without getting ourselves in a bind in this? And I think people sometimes maybe feel a little bit helpless because the only thing they do know to do is do what they've always done before. And that is you have a profit, you and your accountant says you need to spend some money. So you go spend money and that's kind of what they do. So what's the direction that we need to be looking at then encounter to that that is productive down the road? First of all, if you're going to buy pears or if you're going to buy bread heifers right now, I remember in 13, I sat in the sale barn and I had a little table set up with my book, Farming Without the Bank, and everybody walked by me and laughed. I don't even know that I sold more than two or three books that day at the sale barn because they were paying, I remember one bread heifer, $3,100 for a bread heifer. Yeah. Like all I could do is think, how many calves do you need to pay for her? Like that's insane. And then of course the market drops right away. And so why are we even buying cattle at that price right now? Like I look at a lot of operations that I'm working with. I'm like, sell, sell them all right now and buy back when it's lower. And even if you do the, the people that I have right now making money in the cattle market, they're either selling their pairs and selling what they have, or they're calling cows, right? They're calling their Mm -hmm. bad ones and they're just going to save their good ones, which is fantastic. Run some yearlings on your place. You just, because you own the land doesn't mean you have to own the cattle as well. And I've said that multiple times too. You do not need to, if I see somebody with a cattle note and a land note, it's a recipe for disaster. And not everybody agrees with that either, but I see people's numbers. And when the cattle market falls, if we bought, let's say that we bought ground today, because cattle prices are high and we know we the cattle can make the land payment and the cattle payment. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens when cattle comes down? The land payment doesn't go down. And so now all of a sudden we have to decide, are we paying for the cows or are we paying for the land? We're going to town and the off the farm job is paying for the land. Something is paying for it there. So we're not necessarily making that profit. And so if we have to run yearlings, so that somebody else can pay for our land, then run your lanes until you have the land, a decent amount of money stocked up or whatever, and slowly make that transition to owning those cows or do some sell-by. Mm-hmm. I have some clients right now that are doing sell-by marketing 
And they're not, they're thinking about not even doing direct to consumer anymore. And they have a successful direct to consumer business. They're like, we're making more money doing sell by and they're buying low and selling high, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. If we have pairs, what we should still be buying low and selling high. You don't go to the stock market and buy high and sell low. All you, all cattle are is the different stock market. It is this, it is that buying low and selling high is the same no matter where we go. So if you're somebody just trying to get into the cattle market right now, why are you getting in now? Wait until this thing falls, then you can get in. And then you don't need to own the land either. Go rent some land or run them on somebody else's place or whatever. But we have to get over this thought process that we need everything and we need to own everything. Because it's if we're going to sell today and we're going to have this profit, hang on to the profit. Mm -hmm. Because next year you can use that profit for feed. Hey, right? You can Mm -hmm. use a profit for whatever it is you want to use it for. It's one less reason to have to go to the bank. But if we have profit and we go see the accountant and he says, go buy something so we can avoid taxes, then all of a sudden, all of our money went to the thing. And now we don't have the money for hay. And we go back to the bank and use the operating note at nine or 10% to buy hay, to pay for vet bills, you know, whatever it is that we need. Really? We could have just used our own money and saved nine to 10% on it. Mm -hmm. Mary Jo, let's take a break here. When we come back, I'm going to counter a little bit of what you were just talking about with what I think somebody would be thinking from a rancher's perspective. Uh, A lot of it in regards to the fact that we do hear the economists saying that this market's going to be good for a few years. So how do we adapt to that? Uh, We're going to talk about that, folks. My guest today is Mary Jo Ehrman. She wrote the book Farming Without the Bank. And uh, we're going to be back with her as we talk about just where we're at financially in the ranching industry and how can we, we can be smart with what we're doing here as we make our way through this for the next few years. We'll be back on the Working Ranch Radio Show after this. There are lots of nutrition tubs out there but none can match the true blue commitment of Vitalix. Our tubs offer you the most concentrated nutrition at the lowest cost per day. That means more profit for your operation and improved performance for your cow herd. In fact, research shows Vitalix tubs increase feed efficiency by 20% while boosting conception rates, herd health, and weaning weights. Learn more at Vitalix.com. Vitalix, the true blue tub. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. Justin Mills with you. My guest today, Mary Jo Ehrman, farm and ranch strategist and expert in the IBC, which stands for Infinite Banking Concept. If you want to know what that's about, go back and listen to episode 70 here on the Working Ranch Radio Show, where we talked a little bit about that. And uh, But we're talking here today just in, in, just in general, where we're at in our ranching industry from a financial situation. We identified in the previous segment just what's going on. I mean, we know that interest rates, operating notes are are higher than they've been in many years. Uh, But at the same time, we also see cattle prices higher and it creates a different environment than for a lot of us has been in, in the last probably three to four years, two to three, four years or so out. Mary Jo, as we were talking about in the last segment, just going through this a little bit. And as, as folks were listening to that, one of the things as you said, you know, we're at a high market. Why are we buying? Why are we buying in a high market? We should be selling stuff off in a, in a high market. But at the same time, one of the things that people are, you know, are hearing is that, well, 
supply and demand numbers indicate that this market's going to have sustainability for a few years. How do we address that? So if they're going to, if it's going to stay high for two to three years, and my question is, are you going to have enough calves out of those cows in the next two to three years to pay for them? Right? So you only have two to three years to pay that cow back before that calf no longer can pay for her. And so if you can, if the numbers make sense and you know we're going to be high two to three years, then absolutely buy it. Mm -hmm. But if we don't, if we have to have five years worth of calves out of her to make sure that she's paid for and we have the profit to pay for all the expenses on the farm, then you still shouldn't be buying. Mm -hmm. I don't, is it, you might need, you might need that if, we take a note on a cow, those cattle notes are typically five to seven years. Yep. Yep. You need, in my opinion, you're going to need a seven year high in mm-hmm. order to make sure that you, because you have a payment on her for seven years. Yep. Yep. So I would want to make sure that I have, I bought her at a reasonable price. So even when cattle prices drop, if calf prices drop and we can still make her payment at the lowest calf price, then great, go ahead and buy her. But you have to know the number. Yeah, you nailed something dead on. I've had many conversations with people and even justified in my own mind going through these numbers of why I haven't purchased young cows. Uh, now I've bought old cows because they're at the lower of their value and and a, an old cow's calf is not going to be a whole lot different than a two and three year old cow's calf per se, you know, in general from a commodity standpoint. And so, but that's exactly right is the fact that a lot of them are five to seven year notes. You go and you spend $3,000, whatever that may be on a bred two or three year old and you got seven years to pay that off. And then you need to figure in attrition rates and the fact that you're going to have a coal rate every year. And by the time, and I would venture to say in seven years, uh, let's say you started with a hundred head of cows. How many of those cows will you have in seven years? That's having to finance that note that you, you hit it dead on. That's exactly something that I've, I've had that discussion with many people before. And I have, this is another one that gets me is I'm going to buy those cows on a line of credit. Mm. You know how many people I see buying cows on a line of credit and then the banker says, oh, well, we'll just, you know, that's just how we do it here. Okay, that's how we do it here. And then three years later, we still have this rolling line of credit. And now that line of credit's at 10%. I mean, how are you buying them? What is the interest rate on the cows? Are there, what's the open? Have you figured your open rates? Have you figured... Calves dying, like all of those things come into play. And most people that I talk to, I don't know that I've ever talked to anybody that shot for the stars, right? They all are figuring it based on some sort of a low cattle price. But did we figure the low cattle price, the high hay prices? Yeah. Do we figure the vet bills in there? Did we figure our cost of living? I saw something the other day that somebody has been tracking went back six years and looked at their receipts. And the only thing that's gone up is food. Movies haven't gone up, concerts haven't gone up, like all our extracurriculars haven't gone up, but our food has gone up, Yeah, right? That your feed has gone up. Every, all of those necessities go up. And so that cow not only needs to pay that note, but it needs to pay for your cost of living because are you figuring the cost of living into your break-even expenses. If you want the ranch to pay for you to live, 
and not have to work off the farm, then that those that cost of living is an expense on the books. Mm-hmm. And so it is just we're not looking out far enough. If cattle prices are going to stay high, you know, before the break, you asked, well, what if, what if cattle prices stay high for the next three years? Great. Then you have three years of profit. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine <laughs> at year four, you might be in a position where you don't have to borrow money to pay for hay because you haven't avoided taxes. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's get to another point there. I was actually going to go with another question here and back to some some costs of knowing our break-evens, but I want to hit that real quick. And you said not spending something just because your accountant says, well, you got extra money, you need to go buy this. That's a real scary thing to start getting into that. But honestly, Mary Jo, I, I think it's a way of thinking within our industry and probably other business industries have the similar management mindset as well, that when they have a great year, for us this year, we're selling calves for higher than we have in some time that we have a little bit more money on hand that we need to go buy something. We need to go buy that new pickup. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and what's that pickup? That pickup producing any kind of cash flow? No. I have people that will go buy more cattle. That's great because they're going to produce cash flow, hopefully, but you better know if they're going to produce cash yeah. flow. Yeah. Right. I mean, that it's a cash flowing asset essentially, but you better make sure it's going to produce something. And so this is, I learned all this the hard way. So I would, I went and bought something. The first time I really made money, I was like, oh, I'm going to go get a new vehicle, right? Yeah. And so I got a new vehicle and I actually looked at my tax return and I was like, what? That's all I saved by buying that new vehicle? And I called the accountants and I said, I thought I got to write the whole thing off. He's like, well, you do. You get to depreciate it, but you only depreciate what your tax bracket is. I mean, I wasn't even in a good enough tax bracket, right? To even be buying a vehicle. I don't know. It was like 20% or something. And I'm like, well, that's ridiculous. So I actually only saved 20% of the purchase value of that vehicle. And I was so mad because I thought, first of all, you should have explained that because most people do not understand how that works. Mm -hmm. And secondly, I could have used, because I paid for the vehicle, right? I paid cash for the vehicle. I could have had that money to use as a down payment on a rental property, or I could have used that to rent more ground, or Mm -hmm. I could have used that to whatever. I don't care if you want to buy more cattle with it. But the highest rate right now is our operating note. So it would just make sense to get rid of operating because that is where the bank really has us. If they, if we don't have money for operating, they can tell us, nope, I'm not going to lend you money for operating. Your numbers don't look good enough and we aren't feeding our cows. Mm-hmm. If we can just save that profit for three years and move it into a say, I don't care if you don't do IBC, move it into a savings account. And when you use that money from savings to operate for the year, that money goes back into savings at 10% because that's what you were willing to pay the bank for that money. And so then the next year you have it again. You're never going to get operating money built up without using the profit from the year to use that money for next year. Mm -hmm. We have to save that to get it there. And if we have three years of what we're looking at as high prices, oh my gosh, you guys should all be saving that money and using it for operating next year. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Interesting here. It's, I know a lot of folks are probably go, just their, their minds are going through that and they're thinking, boy, this, this just doesn't, this doesn't compute with what we've normally done. Right. Because <laughs> the accountant says, 
go spend 50,000 to save 10. That's just an example that I use that in with the cal cuz I have an IRS calculator. And so with that calculator, if you spend 50,000, you'll save 10. But then you have to go buy something for $50,000. That means you have to go to the bank. If they charge you 5% on a 7-year note, you just spent $10,000 in interest ish. Mm-hmm. Well, you didn't save anything because you just, instead of giving the IRS the 10 grand, you just gave it to the bank in interest. Mm-hmm. So you really get to decide, do I pay the taxes on it or do I pay the bank? Here's where the problem arises, Justin, is most people don't have the 10 grand to pay the IRS. Yeah. So they go to the bank to borrow money to pay, to buy something, to decrease it. Well, you still paid the IRS essentially. You just paid it to the bank and you did it over seven years. Yeah. Then you put yourself on the struggle bus for seven years, figuring out where that money is going to come from to make the bank payment. Mm -hmm. Right. So I have some clients that have done an amazing job. Not only have they done infinite banking and ranching for profit, but they also implemented Profit First. Are you familiar with the Profit First book? Uh-uh, no. Uh-uh. So the Profit First book, is, has, has take is you bring in profit, you pay yourself, you, you pay yourself, and then you pay your taxes, and then what's ever left, you can use as expenses. Okay. And so what they have done is they sell their calves, and then they pay themselves their payroll, they pay their taxes, they pay for their living expenses, and then they will use the rest for expenses. Okay. Mm-hmm. So their operation is only growing based on what they have left. What's for left expenses. over. Yep. Mm-hmm. But guess what? They always have money for taxes now. Yeah. She said, we have never been able to pay our taxes because we've never had the money. It's because when we sell our calves, we give it all to the bank. And if we have any extra, like now we might have some extra, we're going to pay down some extra notes. Oh, for the love of Pete, please do not be paying down extra notes. So they're going to pay down these notes and get these notes paid for faster. But then it comes time to pay taxes and we don't have money for taxes because we've put them on extra notes or we've just spent it Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. And so now we do have to go buy something. Put your tax money aside immediately. Mm -hmm. And you have the taxes. You don't have to worry about going to buy something to avoid taxes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's take a break here. We still have one more segment here and we're going to get into a little bit more here. My guest today, folks, is Mary Jo Ehrman. She is the author of the book, Farming Without the Bank. We're talking just dynamics of our financial picture that we see here in the ranching industry right now. We've got more with Mary Jo when we return on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Every year you pick your replacement heifers. Some become profitable cows, others disappoint. How can you make more reliable selections? Genetic testing. Commercial cow-calf producers like you are using Inherit Select from Zoetis. You gain valuable predictions, including cow fertility, size and soundness, feed efficiency, growth and carcass merit, as well as easy-to-use economic indexes. This improves your selection, breeding, and marketing decisions. Request a call from InheritProgress.com and ask about free TSUs to get you started. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. Justin Mills with you. My guest today, Mary Jo Ehrman, who wrote the book Farming Without the Bank, also a farm and ranch strategist expert. 
uh, IBC, which is Infinite Banking Concept. If you're not familiar with that, either go to her website at farmingwithoutthebank.com or you can also go and listen to our episode 70 where I discussed this with her. I'd do both if I were you just to get a little bit more knowledge on it all. But Mary Jo, we've had a lot of great discussion here today. And I think one of the things I don't want to be negative. And I think that's your case too. I mean, you're not a negative person by nature. I know that. But at the same time, as I was said in the, in the previous segment of some sort, I said, I just don't want to see guys go under. I, I just, that's a real big thing to me. I, I hate to see the family farms and ranches just going down the road because of just not managing their finances correctly. And that's really what this stems. I want to see these family ranches. I want to see kids growing up on ranches and having that experience. I want that really bad, which is why this is what's driving this. And I think from your perspective, you deal with a lot of farmers and ranchers yourself and you want that as well. And so folks, as you're listening to this, please don't get the wrong impression that we're just here trying to rain on the parade. That's not the point by any means. We just want to make it through this thing and, and have you know, have these farms and ranches down the road. Mary Jo, as, as we were talking, very first segment, I just went right away with talking about break-evens and then how that was an important thing. If we don't know that, then that really is setting us up for failure in this. And I want to go a little bit further than that, because as I was listening to that, one of the things that I've talked about here, I've had Dallas Mount on with Ranch Management Consultants about gross margins and knowing your gross margins. I think that's a step in this because gross margins is knowing what enterprises are working or not in your operation. And I think that's a real key part of this. When you, As we were talking about whether to buy cows, what, what class of cows to buy, things like that, we really need to start there. You know, what enterprises are working and aren't working based upon a five to seven year cycle, correct? Correct. Yeah, 100%. Because if you don't know, how do you run a business if they don't know? I mean, Walmart got big because they know what people want and they know their numbers. Any large farmer or rancher, I can tell you, yes, they have loans, but those that I work with, they know their numbers. They can come to me with a profit and loss statement. They have a balance sheet. They know their numbers. And so they're not struggling as hard because they know what that break even is. And so if you don't have a profit and loss statement, if you're not keeping your books, the first thing you need to do is go hire an account, a bookkeeper, not necessarily an accountant, a bookkeeper mm -hmm. and give her everything mm -hmm. for so him. I want to go back and, and address one thing you said, and that was some of our extra profits, not paying off other notes. And let's get a little deeper in that, because I think that was something in my mind. I'm I'm thinking, okay, if, if, I have, if I have some extra money, I want to get rid of as you and I were talking before we went on air, I told you I had bought some uh, heifers when they were really high and all they did from that point on in their life was decrease in value. So I had to amortize that note out to a 10-year note and I'm still paying that off. And in my mind, I want to get that thing out. I want to get it gone. You had made a comment about not necessarily paying off some of those notes. Let's put that into a bit of context because I wouldn't say you'd, you'd just be hardlined on that. I'm sure there's a Let's let's quantify that or qualify that statement just a little bit if we can. Yeah. So can I ask what your interest rate is on that note? It's a lot lower than my operating note. Okay. Um, so therefore I wouldn't pay it off because a year it's going to make you feel good to have that note paid off mm -hmm. because those heifers haven't paid for themselves, right? Or they're probably gone already. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the yeah, two. they're they're not even and here. So, yeah. So it would it would make you feel good. However, 
let's just say that you still owe $20,000 on them. So if you give that $20,000 and you pay that note off, now you need $20,000 next year. If you want to either buy more cows or you need to buy hay or whatever, that comes at a 10% operating note. Yep. And so why are we paying off a five or 6% note yep. when we know we're going to have to go back and get 10? So, so many, I'm seeing that right now with the ranchers, so many people are selling calves and then they want to pay down. Now, if you want to pay off a note, that's a little different story. I should clarify that. You want to pay it off. Now you freed up that payment every year. Yeah. But if we're just going to pay down a note, like, oh, maybe we don't have enough to pay it off. But then we got rid of all of our liquid money mm-hmm. and we might need that liquid money for an opportunity. And so don't be paying down land when land notes are going to probably be at four and a half, five percent. Use that money for operatings because that's going to be a higher note. And you're going to get questioned on that more before a land note, right? The bank's going to give you a land note probably before they'd give you an operating note or notes for goats or horses (laughs) or whatever. (laughs) Uh All right. We're kind of running out on time here. So I want to go to one final point. And I wrote this down in my notes after I listened to your podcast. You made a little bit of a comment just a bit ago about this. And I think it's one of these things as we look at at these next few years. And it's this. Do things a little slower. That was something I pulled out of your podcast. You just made a comment about that as well. Expand on that. We don't have to grow our operation so fast that we get into financial trouble. We all want to go in and borrow money for land and borrow money for cattle and borrow money for equipment. And we all think we need everything. Do we really, can we grow a little bit slower and not have the financial strain and get caught with our pants down essentially, right? Because we're buying so fast and we want to compete with the neighbors and we want to get big that we try to do it quickly and we could end up losing everything. Slow. There's nothing wrong with being the turtle. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, Mary Jo, I appreciate you taking the time. Folks, we had a good discussion before we even hit the record button. We enjoy talking with each other just in general. Uh, she does have a podcast. Mary Jo does have a podcast. I encourage you to go to her website at farmingwithoutthebank.com is the website. You can uh, get to her uh, weekly podcast that she kicks out. And uh, before we head out, Mary Jo, just some final comments from you. Be smart. (laughs) Just be smart and prepare in the good years for the down years. Save some of that money. Look forward five to seven years. You are the one I always say, you know, people will say, well, the banker told me I could buy it. The accountant told me I should buy it. I'm like, but who wrote the check? If you don't know your numbers, then you shouldn't be writing the check and you shouldn't let somebody else run your operation. Know your numbers and be smart about it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Very good final words there. And it's a perfect time of the year. As you were saying earlier, a lot of cattle being moved, a lot of checks hitting the banks. And at the same time, we should be also in our books and getting 2024 and maybe early 25 started to projections out there. So Mary Jo, thanks for joining us here today on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Thanks for having me. You bet. And folks, if you do want to reach out and get a hold of Mary Jo about some of the things we talked about here today or get her perspective or visit with her about uh, some of the things that she provides for ranchers, you can go to their website and find all the contact information at farmingwithoutthebank.com. 
Of course, we talked about the infinite banking concept back on episode 70. You can go back and listen to that, read about it on her website. She does have that podcast every week as well. A lot of information there. Please feel free to reach out to her should you have any questions. Just one little disclaimer I want to mention, and that was in the second segment, we were talking a little bit about the cattle, this next cattle cycle or the number of years that it could be good. And we were specifically saying two to three years. And I know for some of you, you're probably thinking, well, it's actually going to be all indications are that it's going to be longer than that. And I'll grant it that. I, I think there's definitely indications that this up cycle could be longer than what we typically had seen in previous cattle cycles. But I think if you're going to get hung up on that, I think you kind of miss the point of that segment or that part of that segment that we were talking about. And specifically, it was if you're going to make an investment in uh, in cattle, such as the example that we were using there, is knowing that the, the cattle cycle will hold long enough to support the term of that note. That is essentially the point there. And I think it's something to, to be aware of in, in any case that if you're going to make a, an investment in something based upon where the markets are at now, will it hold through the term of that note. So I just wanted to make that point there because I know if you heard that, you're probably thinking, wow, he, you know, he really hasn't been listening to what some of the market indicators are saying that this cycle could be longer than a normal two to three that we have seen in previous cycles. So I just want to point that out. This is definitely a show that uh, you need to go back and probably listen to again because there's a lot of things we talked about. And uh, as I had mentioned, when we started this segment, not to be negative, by no means is that the point. It's really, I think it's just more importantly that we are smart as we're going through this cattle cycle and strategic in what we're doing so that when we go through it and then we have to hit that time when there could be a drought situation, we have to buy hay or we have other expense items that we hadn't planned for, we are able to make it through without having to sell the farm and the ranch off. And that really is one of my ultimate goals because I just believe in the family ranch And I think it's something that we want to continue to perpetuate. When we talk about sustainability and ranching, I don't just necessarily mean in terms of how we're running and operating our land and our resources, but also in keeping our family ranches able to pass down to the next generation. So stay with us. When we come back, we're going to get with meteorologist Don Day as we take a look at our long-term weather. We'll be back on the Working Ranch Radio Show after this. There are lots of nutrition tubs out there, but none can match the True Blue commitment of Vitalix. Our tubs offer you the most concentrated nutrition at the lowest cost per day. That means more profit for your operation and improved performance for your cow herd. In fact, research shows Vitalix tubs increase feed efficiency by 20% while boosting conception rates, herd health, and weaning weights. Learn more at Vitalix.com. Vitalix, the True Blue Tub. Do you have a young child, grandchild, niece, or nephew that loves the weather and wants to learn more? Day Weather has produced a children's weather journal full of weather facts, fun weather experiments, coloring pages, and pages to record weather observations for every season of the year. The weather journal is for ages 3 to 7 and designed to be fun and educational. The interactive weather projects are fun for the whole family to take part in. For only $10, the Day Weather Weather Journal is a great gift idea for any occasion. Click on our Amazon link to order at dayweather.com. 
And welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills, meteorologist Don Day, joining us now as we take a look at our long-term weather. And uh, I know you have been busy the last week. Not that you're not busy on normal weeks, but whenever we see pretty significant weather changes, it always kind of amps up what you're doing and folks are really paying attention. And as we talked before we went on air, we're in the cold right now. And as I said, well, I think let's let's just talk about to folks it's coming for y'all. It's it's going to hit everybody at some point. Maybe maybe Florida's a little bit out of the woods, but this cold weather that the north has been seeping in through the northwest and into the northern Rockies, it's going to be hitting the rest of the country at some point this week. Yeah, you know the expression "misery loves company." And, <laughs> yeah. uh, that's certainly going to be the case with this cold wave. It's it has the unique ability. What we're going to see over the next week or so is, is to get in on both sides of the Continental Divide. Sometimes that doesn't happen, mm-hmm. but it's cooling off west of the divide into the Pacific Northwest, the Great Basin in California, and then some really chilly air is going to make a remarkable path uh, from all the way from the Northwest Territories of Canada. By early next week, this Arctic surge will make it all the way into northeast Mexico. Then it's going to go all the way to the Gulf Coast of Texas, Louisiana, into the Great Lakes. And you mentioned Florida. Initially, Florida kind of is able to, to hold it back for a little bit. But even middle of next week, Florida will have part of this cold front come on through. So this is going to impact all of the lower 48 states. And uh, it'll bring the hardest freezing temperatures of the season so far to the Corn Belt, Midwest, the Great Lakes. Snow is going to get as far south as parts of Interstate 70 with this system and uh, long parts of the Northwest Corn Belt, parts of the Great Lakes, and even parts of New England will see the first flakes, flakes of snow of the year. Mm-hmm. Now, I know for us, uh, you know, we're in it here this weekend. We're already kind of experiencing that cold as it's going to seep a little bit further into the country later on. We do know that it's going to definitely bring a change. We're going to see some cooler temperatures with our weather here in the month of November. However, how long is this going to hold on? Is it going to be a grasp of about seven to 10 days or is it going to kind of hit this and then we'll kind of let up a little bit? Yeah, usually when you see a release of cold like this, um, of this magnitude, you're always going to have some natural response to to have things even out a little bit and have a warm up and, and have temperatures moderate. Uh, we're not at that time of year where Arctic air can come in and lock in for long periods of time like it can in midwinter. But certainly this is such a change and a departure from where we've been this fall. This is altering the the way the weather pattern will unfold as we go into November and into early December. Uh, So it really does look like the trend for most of the lower 48 and and I'll include Canada as well Mm -hmm. is to be in a more active pattern. Active, when I say active, I mean, we're going to see more of these frontal systems and more often than not. Uh, especially in the northern areas, there'll be snow producers, not necessarily rain producers. And uh, this is something that we're going to carry forward into early November. So the answer to your question is there will be a moderation in temperatures mid to late week, Mm -hmm. but do not expect the spring back (laughs) to some really mild weather like we had for most of October. It's going to be more consistently cold heading into November. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask you something too, because we were late and and I, and maybe it's, just for in my own area that I was thinking about this, but we were really late. Our spring didn't really happen until May. 
Is there any correlation to when we have that late spring happening to how late we go into the next fall? Is there any correlation to that? I guess I was thinking about that the other day, realizing that, and it's again, one of my little, my deals that I keep track of and people kind of shake their heads and you're probably rolling your eyes when I say this, but six months after the first thunder is when I, it was when I marked down when we'll have the first major freeze. And I had marked October 15th, which is really, really late for us. Typically it's way sooner than that, but really while we did have a freeze before the 15th we really didn't have a really hard this is our first real big cold and i just wonder that delay in the spring is that where we're seeing this delay in the fall is in winter as well well that's that's an interesting point and you're not the only one who who's observed that here over the last uh, several years mm-hmm. where it seems like springs are holding on and colder for longer and and the and the falls are starting a little bit later now, whether or not we can make a direct connection to anything on that, mm-hmm. other than observing that that's kind of the way it's been uh, and a reason why. I mean, we talk about all the time how short people's memories are. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and the thing is, is, is that uh, June across a large part of the U.S. was abnormally cold. Mm-hmm. And so this goes into your point, yeah. which is, is that, you know, June was cold and wet for a large part of the nation and uh, summer was delayed. So is it the mother nature trying to even the seasons out? There might be something, there might be something to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you, when you, when you take a look at things like that, you have to try to piece together, you know, is this something we're seeing in the, in the sea surface temperature anomalies? Is it just that mother nature is, is cycling through the process? And, and, and since, uh, you know, we tend to be fixated on the calendar sometimes mm-hmm. more than we should, because, um, the weather and mother nature doesn't necessarily look at the calendar and make decisions. Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> the it's weather's going to do what the <laughs> yeah. weather's going to do when it, when it wants to do it. Mm-hmm. But as many times as we've had, let's say a late start to winter and fall, mm-hmm. we, we can find ones where they started early. Yeah. And not that long ago. Yeah. And that's what I think too. I don't think it's like you get some people saying, oh, it's, you know, it's major climate change or we're seeing in this. No, I think it's a pattern. I think we're going to come back. I mean, we'll see spring still happen when they typically or traditionally in our minds think they should happen and falls happen traditionally. And when we think, I think it's when you take into account just patterns, as you have always pointed to in weathers, looking back, no, don't let's look back 10 or 15 years. Let's go back 40 and, and 60 years back. I think we'll see that again too. Yeah, and most likely you will. Um, you can put two or three falls in a row that start late and then find three or four that started early in a row, you know, back in the record somewhere else. But your observation has been picked up and by by other people as well that I that I've talked to. But then when you remind them that how cool and wet it was to start the summer, uh, that everything just seemed to be delayed. It's like, oh, well, I guess that kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because actually when you look at the temperature anomaly across the United States since January 1st, um, despite the fact there was a lot of heat, especially at the end of summer, it, it's not going to go down, at least in the lower 48 states, uh, as a terribly hot summer period. It really won't. And, yeah. and there will be parts of the U.S. that end up below average for the whole year, mm-hmm. especially California and the far west. Yeah. All right. Well, good discussion here today. I appreciate you joining us here with a look at that. And as we're all getting braced for this uh, first big cold weather, and it's like we said before we went on air, you're not going to stop it. So you might as well just get ready for it and get prepared. Yeah. And uh, certainly folks here over the last several days across Montana and North Dakota are 
they got quite a bit of snow at the end of their sidewalks and driveways right now. Mm-hmm. So they know what we're talking. About. Yeah. All right. Well, Don, thanks for joining us here today on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Thanks for having me. You bet. And again, if you want to tune in each and every morning to Don Day's weather video podcast, you can find the link there by going to his website at dayweather.com, or you can also find it on YouTube. Speaking of his website, if you're interested in seeing what he has out there for digital weather stations or rain gauges or thermometers and such, you can go to his website and find those things as well. Well, stay with us. Coming up, we'll put a wrap on this week's show and talk about what's in store for next week's edition of the Working Ranch Radio Show after this. Animal health is key to your business, so how do you track cattle health treatments? Stop relying on pen and paper or complicated programs. Performance Beef helps you record processing data, enter costs, and track animal health history, all in real time at the chute. The mobile app also makes it easy to log pasture and pen treatments on the go. Your health data is integrated with feed and financial information in one easy-to-use platform, accessible from your computer, smartphone, or tablet. Find Performance Beef online to request a demo. Well, you're not going to want to miss next week's edition of the Working Ranch Radio Show as Dr. Mark Johnson from Oklahoma State University will be joining us. He is their extension beef cattle breeding specialist, and we're going to be talking about cost-effective feeding. And as he and I were setting this up, he said, well, Justin, what are you wanting out of this? And I said, well, honestly, I know I'm not the only guy out there that when we get into the late summer and early fall of the year and we start to know what animals we're going to be keeping through the wintertime, in our case here on our ranch, you know, we got a set of mother cows that we've got we also got a set of uh, bred heifers that we need to be conscious about how their feed program is as well as our heifer calves and we've got a pretty good set of horses as well so how do we do that in a cost-effective manner and and making sure that we're not overdoing it but definitely not underdoing it and really doing that in a very effective and efficient profitable means that's our conversation next week with dr mark johnson from oklahoma state university not going to want to miss that well before we head out the latest issue of Working Ranch Magazine is out. In fact, if I have mine, I'm pretty sure you probably have yours. It is the November-December issue. I'm looking forward to jumping into that. We just got ours. And so if you don't have your subscription started, you can simply go to Working Ranch Mag and get yours started here today. The Working Ranch Radio Show is a production of Working Ranch Magazine, branded number one by America's Ranchers. If you'd like to get a hold of me, it's pretty simple. My email address is justin.workingranch at gmail.com. Let me know. If you have comments, questions, or ideas for a show topic, please feel free to send me an email and I'll get back to you just as soon as we get back around here in the office. Well, be sure to join us next week at this same place, same time, or on your favorite podcast provider. I'm Justin Mills, and until next time, keep your chin down and your mind in the middle. So long.